It's 11.30 on this Friday, July 2nd. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for choosing the World Voice of Nebraska to be a part of your day. Beautiful temperatures out right now. 70s and some 80s already popping up on the eastern side of Nebraska and Kansas. Shaping up to be a very, very nice July 4th holiday weekend. And also, your evening hours for viewing fireworks this upcoming weekend going to be beautiful as well. We'll get more on that coming up at 11.45 with our own Paul Perkins in our regional ag weather update. We'll get some sports updates as well from Jason Jorgensen. And Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing. Uh, a good jobs report, obviously, from the U.S. Uh, re- released earlier today. So we'll get more information on that, how it's impacting the economy. And uh, as we always do, though, let's head out to the eastern side of Nebraska and let's get caught up with our own Susan Littlefield. And Susan, got big plans for this upcoming week. Oh, yeah. The 4th of July is our big fundraiser for the fire department. So I'll hmm. be busy cooking food. And then uh, helping launch fireworks uh, okay. the night of the 4th. All right. Uh, will you be doing fireworks just on Sunday, or do you guys do a couple of different shows? Nope. We just do one a Sunday night at dark. So come okay. on out. If you're in that neck of the woods, check it out. All right. Very good. Well, uh, keep uh, all 10 digits and all 10 toes, all right? Yeah. Well, the ground cakes will come from me. So just so you know, if you see some really cool things coming off the ground, that'll be me doing that. Ah, okay. Good to know. But, but I'll keep my hands. <laughs> okay. Very good. Well, what do you have coming up for us on midday? Well, we'll kick it all off because, you know, it is a Friday. We're going to find out the weekly weather summary and outlook from Al Dutcher. He says rain, cool, then back to hot again is what it sounds like. Of course, you know, it's county fair time all across the state. We've got to have the hot weather moving in. Then wrapping up, uh, 1245 will be Whitney as she talks with the National Drought Mitigation Center that's located on East Campus. We'll find out about more about what the center is and how it works with the National Drought Monitor. And, of course, Fridays means FNBOs. Fridays in the field. We're going to head out to the western part. Chabella Guzman chats with Jason about irrigation in the western part of the states mm. and more. Okay, so good content coming up. Have a good 4th of July holiday weekend. You as well. Thanks. Thank you very much. That's Susan Littlefield. Now let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen. Uh, you got big firework plans this weekend? Not really. I'm not a big fireworks guy. Okay. Although I got a four-year-old grandson who right. loves watching the neighbor kids fire them off. So Grandpa might have to stop and we, get some. We give them, uh, you know, some of those little snappers at least. We did that last year. Okay. And uh, we also set off some black snakes. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, we still have the mark on the concrete. Oh, yeah. He, re- he remembers that. Yeah, that's so. good. That's fun. And uh, sparklers, are those still outlawed here in Nebraska? No, I you can know. do sparklers. Okay. Yeah. I thought one time they were or they weren't. I, I can't keep up anymore. Well, fireworks laws always change. They do. They do. Hey, coming up in sports, it's kind of a busy Friday, especially going into the 4th of July weekend. Talk some Nebraska men's basketball. Delano Banton, he is going to decide to stay in the NBA draft. He will not be coming back to the Huskers. Nebraska is finalizing its non-conference schedule. And we'll hear from interim AD Garrett Classy. He was very impressive last night mm-hmm. on Sports mm-hmm. Nightly, and he'll talk more about the whole NIL thing. Okay, very good. We'll turn things over to Bob Brogan. Bob, you're going to be lighting fireworks off this weekend. I will probably not okay. light fireworks. Although You get too I crazy? Have, I have kind of a... A past with fireworks. Oh, maybe they shouldn't even be anywhere near me. Do we even need to bring this up? Is this a bad subject no, I, for you? We don't. We have only got about ten seconds. But anyway, <laughs> uh, stocks up in morning trading, and a lot of it has to do with that jobs report. Okay. All right. Uh, Bob, stay away from the fireworks.
It is time for regional ag weather updates here on this Friday. It is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins is joining us. Paul, you got big plans for the holiday weekend? Probably just take it easy. Um, actually, a big birthday party for my mom this weekend. So, uh, Happy birthday to yeah. Paul's mom. You betcha. So about a lot of people coming in. Good, good. Good family. That's, that's the whole weekend's all about. Spend time with friends and family a little bit. Uh, are you a big firework guy? You know... I like to mooch. I always like to say I like to mooch off my neighbors. Just watch their fireworks. <laughs> that's good enough. Listen, <laughs> that's there's fine. usually a pretty good show in my neighborhood. It's pretty much gets to resembling World War Three around there. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> so why buy your own when the neighbor has plenty for everybody? Essentially, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Well, listen, this weekend is going to be terrific for outdoor activities. Uh, temperature is going to warm up a little bit. And for viewing fireworks in the evening hours, you couldn't ask for better weather. Exactly. Uh, there are some thunderstorm chances in the forecast, like there usually are this time of year. But this time around, it's going to be mainly on a spotty basis. Nothing really widespread. If it does pop up, it's not going to last very long. Okay, very good. But unfortunately, besides those showers, it's going to be dry for the foreseeable future. Yeah, especially take care, of course, of those fireworks in those drier areas. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, yeah, no really promising chances for rain until about Tuesday across the area. So I guess at least we got a nice 4th of July holiday weekend out of it. And to start it all off today, we're looking at uh, more seasonal temperatures. Yeah, right now we have temperatures on into the upper 70s. Mid and upper 70s and much of west central and central Nebraska on into west and central areas of Kansas. That's where some scattered clouds are. But where we're seeing a lot more sunshine on into eastern Nebraska, those temperatures currently in the low 80s. Also, it's not too humid out there. Those dew points currently in the low 60s. So fairly comfortable as you're walking out the door. Today and tomorrow are going to be sunny. With some seasonal temperatures, we're on the backside of high pressure sliding up towards the east, so our winds are flipping around to the south and southeast. A little more wind expected for tomorrow. Those isolated thunderstorms do remain possible across western areas during the afternoon and evening, both for today and tomorrow. Our daytime highs slightly warmer than usual in the upper 80s to low 90s. On in the forecast for Independence Day through next week, staying seasonal once again through tomorrow. We'll see a ridge of high pressure build towards the plains for those warmer temperatures for next week. Spotty thunderstorms remain possible region-wide tomorrow night into Monday night. The severe threat going to be on the low side through at least the 4th of July. Any rain amounts on the light side. And the better thunderstorm chance starting to arrive during the day on Tuesday with the stronger disturbance moving through. Late next week, turning dry, though, with high pressure taking over. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to remain slightly warmer than normal for Wednesday through July 15th. During the early half of July, our central Nebraska daytime highs on average are in the mid-temper 80s with average overnight lows in the low 60s. Still not looking good for meaningful rainfall with below normal rainfall predicted in Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through July 15th. The key weather factors influencing the markets include just some scattered rain for crop areas of the north and central U.S. in the 10-day forecast and improving conditions for the Southern Plains wheat harvest. Tropical Storm Elsa could approach or reach the Florida Peninsula on Monday or Tuesday. A storm begins to take shape across the nation's midsection about early next week. That's when showers will become a little more numerous across the plains and the Midwest. Nothing, unfortunately, promised 
promising for our area. Little or no rain expected the next five days across the Ohio Valley and the Northern Plains. The Northern Plains dry and hot weather through this weekend will continue the stress to wheat, corn, and soybeans, something that will be watched in the Northern Plains. The seven-day forecast for them suggesting some light to moderate rain with very warm to hot temperatures. The Southern Plains will be dry and very warm to hot through the next 10 days. That's weather that favors the wheat harvest, which has been interrupted by some periods of rain this past week. In the Midwest, some scattered thunderstorms continue for the next week to 10 days, offering just some limited soil moisture benefit for the drier northern and western areas. The crop moisture remaining a high concern for the north and west areas of the Midwest as corn and soybeans start to move into the reproductive stage. All right, very good. Well, it's going to warm up a little bit this weekend, but again, pretty solid overall forecast for the Independence holiday. Yeah, nothing going to be a big rain out uh, for any kind of event outside, and there's temperatures not overly hot either, yeah, so right. we'll kind of, it's kind of a nice, happy medium. All right, very good <laughs> for a full weekend and Independence Day holiday forecast. Where can they find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Ask free. KRBN, The River, and Cami want to make you our big 70th anniversary winner. We've gone platinum for the summer of 2021, and you could win a brand new 2020 Ram 3500 dually pickup with a Hillsboro aluminum flatbed. We're celebrating a big year with an even bigger prize, thanks in part to Suretop Angus and Charlay Farnham, Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, and Colorado Land Tire Group, and Central Valley Irrigation in Holdridge, Lexington, and Kearney. We're giving you a lot of ways to register to win, stop by one of the many registration locations across the state. Come see us at a summer event and listen for your chance to call in and register on air. You'll have fun driving this from the pasture to a tailgate outside of Memorial and a great deal more. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network, and it is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska Ag Climatologist Al Dutcher. What are we looking ahead to during the Independence Day weekend, and then uh, as we get into next week, Al? Well, just from a standpoint of temperatures, it looks like we're going to be just a little bit above seasonal normals as we move through this weekend. We're looking at upper 80s to low 90s persistently across most of the state. I think as you get into western Nebraska, where we might get into a little bit more of the drier air, we, we might add two or three degrees to that. Uh, there is some signs, at least from the model standpoint, that uh, a weak trough will try to start developing as we get into the Monday time frame, and then that will move from the northern plains in an east-southeast fashion toward Nebraska. The current models are indicating at least some precipitation breaking out, particularly across the western half of the state as we get into Monday afternoon into the overnight hours into Tuesday. And then as we could progress through Tuesday, we'll see that slip through to eastern Nebraska, such that by the time we get to the middle of the afternoon, most of the major activity will be primarily over the eastern one-third of the state. From the quantitative precipitation forecast standpoint, the northwest or northwestern sand hills and the northeastern part of the panhandle right now are shown to have the best response for precipitation on Monday. And then on Tuesday, extreme southeastern Nebraska looks to be in that area right now where it's targeted for the best precipitation. After we get by that, we get a cool down, of course, somewhere into the maybe upper 70s or low 80s, depending on how that trough develops to the east of us and cuts off. So that would keep our temperatures, at least in the east, a little bit cooler. And, of course, we always worry about when a trough's like that, a northwest flow on the backside of it, that would target eastern Nebraska. But I think there'd be very isolated thunderstorms if it does occur. Then as we get into Friday and Saturday of next week, we start to see some ridging trying to build into the central Rockies. 
and basically some of that will start to move across the western Nebraska. So we'll probably see a bump up of temperatures there, but the uncertainty is in eastern Nebraska with that cutoff low hauling that'll hang around. If it hangs around, we'll stay in the 80s. If it's been overplayed and pushes off to the east, then we'll see a rebound in temperatures. But my concern starts to develop as we get into the second half of next weekend and the following week. There are signs from the models, at least from the GFS standpoint, that a ridge will come in from the west. It's really going to intensify over the western half of the state and, of course, the western half of South Dakota. Right now, the thickness levels would indicate that we'd be looking at upper 90s to low 100s, essentially from about Monday the 12th through about the 14th. Maybe varying a day or though there, and then another trough comes in and breaks that down and pushes that heat to the east, but we don't see nearly as extreme temperatures in eastern Nebraska right now from the GFS model standpoint because we'll be dealing with a little bit more humidity, but we will definitely be in the mid-90s, most likely if the forecast verifies. Not a lot of precipitation in there, and we don't really see much of a breakdown of that ridge until we get into around the 16th to the 17th. At that point in time, another trough moves across the northern plains, and there is signs that we will see a monsoonal flow set up as that moisture comes up from the southwest of the central Rockies and works on that frontal boundary trying to work through the northern plains. We might see some widespread precipitation. So the real issue that I see here is we'll probably see some irrigation demand really ramp up, but more importantly, across the panhandle and across the extreme northeastern Nebraska that has some residual dryness in the long term, and we're seeing pockets of short-term dryness, we're probably going to see some deterioration as we go into the second week of the month. At least we know that there's a stretch of cooler weather next week, and then we start to ramp up temperatures once again as we get into late next week and the following week. Thanks so much for the insight, Nebraska Ag Climatologist Al Dutcher, here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer Report. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is joining us. And Jason, I feel like this time of year is uh, schedule release season. A little bit. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about today, which is good on a Friday leading into the 4th. Sometimes it's, it's just dead, but yeah, that's not yeah. the case today. Nebraska's man will host a multi-team event at Pinnacle Bank Arena for the second year in a row. However, unlike last season's Golden Window event, Nebraska will play home games against three opponents over seven days in late November. According to Husker Online, the Huskers will host Southern on November 21st, Tennessee State on November 23rd, and South Dakota on the 27th. Another Nebraska men's basketball news. Nebraska's Delano Batten is keeping his name in the NBA draft. That's at least what he told ESPN. The 6'9 point guard who led Nebraska in assists, rebounds, and blocks is going to try to make his mark in the NBA. He had a good showing at the G League Elite Camp in Chicago this summer and in a subsequent pro day in front of quite a few NBA scouts. Uh, Best of luck to him. Yeah, uh, he was not starting in Nebraska for the tail end of no. the year, but he's, he's had a good summer. Well, and I think you mentioned it before when you when you're six nine and you're a point guard, you have the size, and he has talent. You can try to work on that, and when you get to the NBA, a couple of things he'll need to improve upon: his strength, finishing at the rim, and he doesn't shoot the ball all that yeah. well. But the the skill set is there. That's what the NBA looks for. 
Best of luck to him. Fresh off of a Big Ten championship and a strong effort in the NCAA tournament in his first full season at the helm of Nebraska baseball, Husker coach Will Bolt received a contract extension that will keep him under contract at NU through the 2026 season. Now, this new deal will extend Bolt's contract a couple of years, also will include a big bump in pay. He will now be uh, the second highest paid head coach in the state of Nebraska, or in the Big Ten, I should say, at around $400,000 a year. And Nebraska finished ranked 20th by Baseball America yesterday in the final rankings of the season. There's a guy who earned, he earned a promotion. He mm-hmm. earned a pay raise. He, he did a great job. My only question with this, I feel like a lot of programs, uh, front offices, when you get to the pros, give out extensions give out extensions really, really early off of early success. We've seen that kind of with Scott Frost, for example, uh, and that hasn't gone Although well. some are still scratching their head wondering what was up with his extension. Yeah, no, I agree. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah, like you just feel like you give it too early. He obviously has had success, and I think he'll be fine. It just, after only two years, I mean, it's not like he won the College World Series. That's true. I, I, good for the guy. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to downplay it. It's just, it seems to me that we give out extensions after you. Do anything. Well, they just paid the uh, retiring AD $3 million to get lost <laughs> yeah, and to right. keep his mouth shut. So, you know, point. at this point, what's, what's 400000 <laughs> You know, what's, what's another 100000 to Will Bolt? And it's been a wild first week for the NIL in college sports. Nebraska interim AD Garrett Classy feels Nebraska's in a good place to take advantages, especially when this comes to the recruiting front. And so having the fan base is number one. Number two, being the premier brand in the state, not competing with professional teams. You know, our, our athletes are more marketable here. If you're a starting quarterback in a large metropolitan area, you're probably competing against the quarterback of the NFL team, the point guard for the NBA team, the goalie at the hockey team. I mean, we are so well positioned here because of the passion, our brand, our fan base, that our student athletes are going to be able to take care of at least the, um, um, the social media influencer and the advertising part of it. Classy was a guest last night on Sports Nightly, Tyler. He was very good. Oh, he, he is. He killed it. Yeah. And I don't know if he's in the running for the job or not, but if you look at his resume and the way he comes off, if some things fall apart, uh, I don't I think Garrett Classic could do the job. He is very good on social media, which I think in this day and age, uh, he's out there promoting everything, especially with this NIL now. And he's right. I mean, essentially, you could use it as a recruiting tool and say, listen, you will be the face of the entire state of Nebraska. Potentially, especially if you're a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, some also say he's kind of been running things here down there for a while <laughs> so with maybe. Bill Moose out on his ranch. Right. So I, I don't know, but he was really good last night yeah. on the, Sports Nightly. The first impression since he has taken over and from what we've dealt with uh, and it, from what he's said so far, so far so good. Yeah. So. Who knows? You heard it here first. For more, you can find that anytime, krvn.com. All right, thank you very much. Today. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is now joining us. Happy uh, Fourth of July holiday weekend well, to you. Same to you, yes. Big plans? Yeah, well, I've got some things to do uh, around uh, around the home place mm. uh, this weekend, and then we might step out of town for a little bit. Good. We'll see. Good. Uh, are you a big firework guy? 
No. Oh, okay. nope, nope. Right. You bet. I I watch everyone else's and enjoy that. So <laughs> his dad would always say, "You're burning up money at yeah, that time." You're exactly. Putting it on fire. So. Nope, nope. You bet. I, I imagine it'd be a lot of fun, but I I just enjoy watching others. Listen, everybody's got enough fireworks to go around, and Absolutely. Paul and I were talking about that. It's easy to just watch your neighbors or whoever from from your porch. So very good. Well, UNL Chancellor Dr. Ronnie Green interviewed with us while he was on the road to North Platte the other day. He tells us the university intends to have in-person classes this fall, but to lessen the possibility of a COVID outbreak during the new school year, returning students, faculty, and staff will voluntarily offer their vaccine status to be placed into a registry. Based upon the provision of that vaccine registry information, or people who have had COVID recently that have uh, immunity developed by having experienced uh, the coronavirus, that they would be uh, wide open on campus in the fall. So no testing requirements, no mask requirements, no social distancing requirements uh, as we return to campus for the fall semester. Now, students not fully vaccinated will be tested upon returning to campus. Those that have not provided that vaccine registry, that they would continue to provide testing on an interval basis, uh, particularly on reentry when we open school in the fall, um, to just maintain our, our confidence that the virus is not on campus and or is at very low levels on our campus. Well, Chancellor Green is visiting several different university campuses and facilities in outstate Nebraska this week. 30 Nebraska state senators are urging local school boards to reject proposed state health standards that include lessons for young children on gender gender identity and gender expression. The senators issued a joint public statement to local school boards. The stand... Whitney Stuck will join you now on the Rural Radio Network. Every year, people across the nation examine the conditions heading into the summer with the National Drought Monitor. The Drought Monitor is developed at the National Drought Mitigation Center at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. To learn more about the National Drought Mitigation Center at the University of Nebraska, we are talking with Curtis Regani. Curtis is a climatologist for the center. Curtis, first tell me a little bit about the center and the development of the monitor in Nebraska. Sure. So the National Drought Mitigation Center, we do several different tasks. It's located at University of Nebraska-Lincoln under the School of Natural Resources on East Campus. And we do, first off, drought monitoring, which one of the primary examples of that is the U.S. drought monitor map, a national map showing how unusually dry different areas of the country are. And that map is done in partnership with NOAA and USDA. Another thing we do is we help with drought planning, both at state and local levels around the country. And then we also do drought research. For instance, we do a lot of historical monitoring of drought with our drought risk atlas. So we have a lot of old drought data that we look at and try to help people understand their drought risk. So how does the team from Nebraska examine drought conditions nationwide? So each week, one person is the U.S. Drought Monitor author, meaning that they're doing the analysis for the map and changing where the lines go. And we actually rotate that position between three of us at the National Drought Mitigation Center and then a team of over 10 authors around the country at a couple different places with NOAA and USDA. But the website is hosted here at the National Drought Mitigation Center every week. 
And so we're looking at different data sets, specifically drought statistics that we look at, things such as precipitation over multiple time scales. We look at other data sets that look at groundwater, stream flow, vegetation health. What we're doing is we're taking that data in a map and we're putting it into percentiles to define how unusually dry or wet different areas are. And then we let those percentiles dictate where the new lines will go on the map each week. Additionally, we work with people on a state and local level who will submit suggestions to us for the week, take into account local impacts, and so we work with them as well each week. So what results are you seeing so far this year across the nation when examining conditions? So we're actually seeing really widespread, extreme and exceptional drought conditions across the western United States is probably the first thing that jumps off of the map to you, which is, again, by definition, a rare event. Over the last 20 years, this is some of the most widespread, extreme and exceptional drought in that region that we've seen. Additionally, we've been seeing areas of severe, extreme and exceptional drought in parts of North Dakota, eastern Montana, and to eastern Wyoming, now even extended into northern parts of Nebraska and Iowa. And a lot of those regions, even though some of those places have received rain recently, are still seeing major agricultural impacts from both short and long-term drought conditions. We see a few other areas of drought emerging as well. So pretty widespread drought conditions going on so far this year. Tell me a little bit about the tools and resources the Drought Mitigation Center offers online with the Drought Monitor. Sure. So with the Drought Monitor, uh, the main tool with that would just be you can look at, at the map. And so the Drought Monitor map, what that's showing is, again, how unusually dry different areas of the country are. And so the different colors on the map communicate how unusual a dry spell or drought is from five categories, from abnormally dry through exceptional drought. Exceptional drought covers the lowest first and second percentile of drought conditions, by definition, rare drought events. And then otherwise, you can also take those maps and break them down by state, watershed, tribal area. We also have historical time series where you can look at plots of drought data from the drought monitor, which has been around since the year 2000. So as an example, if you want to know how this year's drought in Nebraska compares to previous years, you can pull up a graph that'll show different percentage coverage areas of drought over the last 20 years in Nebraska. So we have several different tools to break down the drought monitor data like that. Is there anything else that you would like to add for us today? Sure. So particularly recently in Nebraska, we have been seeing moderate, severe, and extreme drought developing and expanding in the northeast part of Nebraska. So particularly in those regions, but of course across the state, it's always a good idea to conserve water when you're able to listen to different local mandates about water restrictions, watering restrictions, etc. So, and above all, have a safe, Fourth of July holiday. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Curtis. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Again, that is Curtis Ragani, a climatologist at the National Drought Mitigation Center at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I am Whitney Stuckel reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff.
Bob Brogan with a pre-holiday business report. Stock indexes ticking higher again on Wall Street. The S&P 500 is up seven-tenths of a percent in afternoon trading and on pace for its seventh straight gain, though more stocks were falling in the index than rising. The Dow and NASDAQ are also modestly higher. The gains follow the government's June employment report, which showed the nation's job market was stronger last month than expected. America's employers added 850,000 jobs in June, well above the average of the previous three months. The Labor Department report the unemployment rate edged up to 5.9 percent. Despite the job market's steady gains, unemployment remains well above the 3.5 percent rate that prevailed before the pandemic struck, and the economy remains 6.8 million jobs short of its pre-pandemic level still. Joblessness has plummeted from the 14.8% rate in April of last year. The U.S. trade deficit widened in May to $71.2 billion as a small increase in exports was offset by a bigger rise in imports. The Commerce Department reports the deficit rose 3.1% from April during a monthly record of $75 billion in March. Through the first five months of the year, the U.S. trade deficit totals $353.1 billion, up a sizable 45.8% from the deficit during the same period last year when Americans' appetite for imported goods was being held back by the pandemic. Biden says he's concerned lives will be unnecessarily lost to COVID-19 as unvaccinated people contract and transmit the coronavirus over the July 4th holiday. Speaking to reporters today, Biden emphasized that for most Americans who are vaccinated, the holiday weekend will be worth celebrating, says Biden. This year is different than the 4th of July last year, and it's going to be better next year. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob. Let's go ahead and check in now with Susan on the Friday's Field Feature, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. This week's Friday's in the Field, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. As we head into July, we're back in Scott's Bluff with Jason Harriman. Jason, you're finishing up ditching corn and getting caught up to begin setting water. Tell us a little bit about your fields with gravity irrigation. So um, this year, um, you know, sometimes uh, we run into a problem where we have to cultivate first if we don't have enough loose dirt um, and depending on the weather too. Um, this year, we're the last couple of years, we've been able to uh, just ditch and cultivate all at the same time. So uh, we ditch every other row and then cultivate uh, the centers. Um, and then we also put on, on our corn, we put uh, the last shot of nitrogen on with the ditcher. Uh, saves us a trip um, on that sort of, on the gravity part. Now under the pivots, uh, we fertilize under the pivots or we side dress. Would like more pivots, uh, but we had to update equipment, so we chose to update equipment. Um, and then our next step will be hopefully hopefully get more pivots on um, coming here in the next year or so. So um, just take it one step at a time. But um, when I was younger, that's uh, there wasn't very many pivots around. So kind of grew up on ditching, and uh, we still have, still have some acres that we have to gravity irrigate. So... Now, the Bureau of Reclamation did put the North Platte River projects, which are the irrigation districts in Wyoming and Nebraska, under an allocation. Do you think this will affect your operation? 
So that can raise an issue here come the end of August. Hopefully we have enough uh, irrigation water to at least get us to the first week of September. Uh, we're going to need it on the corn. Um, hopefully we catch uh, some more rains in between now and then and that'll help too. So um, that's always an issue so we're just uh, focusing on trying to get water as going as soon as possible and get that profile soaked up on the gravity. Pivots uh, our pivot stuff it is concerning there too but we can irrigate 160 acres in you know two days and I can control the water a lot better. Gravity irrigation uh, if we catch another couple showers on our longer longer fields here uh, it'll settle the ditches and uh, we'll be able to get the rows through so hopefully we catch a little bit more rain and uh, get our half mile rows through a little bit easier and soak them up so Jason tell us how the soybeans are coming along on our soybeans this year we're half half pivots and then the other half is under gravity so uh, right now um, it's pressing. I'm uh, trying to get water on them as soon as I get the corn ditched here in another day or two. Uh, we'll go ditch the soybeans and start uh, irrigating those. Um, but a soybean is kind of a lot like corn. Um, you know, it needs, needs a little water early, uh, but uh, we need to uh, push them once they start setting on pods and flowering. You know the old adage, corn should be knee-high by the 4th of July. Do you think the corn will be there? I would say for our area, I would say we're, you know, on track, uh, probably average. Uh, some of the earlier stuff that was planted uh, that we got in, um, you know, that might be a little bit taller, so that might be, you know, a little bit better than average for the area. But I'd say all in all for the year, I'd say we're right on track for knee-high by the 4th. Um, some of this corn right now is knee-high that we haven't got water to yet. so. Um, once you uh, break those centers up and we get a little heat with the moisture we had over the weekend here, I think stuff's going to grow in the next 10 days. So, Thanks, Jason, and we'll check back with you and your crops in a month. I'm Trebella Guzman, and you've been listening to Fridays in the Field, brought to you by FNBO. Guys care. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in now on the closing grain train. To do so, we talk with grain analyst and senior marketing analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter This Week in Grain. That's John Payne. John, great to talk to you this afternoon. Kind of a, a volatile trading session, really, when some expected maybe some traders to walk out early on the day. I think they had to stay through the close. Soybeans, though, able to fight their way back. Is this kind of positioning us here for a solid open Monday into the Tuesday trade next week? Yeah, we got two two bearish pieces of news today. One, it was the second week in a row, we've had uh, you know uh, courts uh, appeal or decide in, in favor against essentially uh, corn producers. So last week it was biofuels mandates. This week it was E15 Trump summer gasoline mandates. If you recall a while back, this was when prices were real low. Um, Trump had put in a man. I can't re- basically reverse a, a mandate saying that summer gasoline had to have something different than it does in the winter. So basically, uh, that that, um, that was reversed today. And then you also had uh, news out of the attache of China saying that they would import only 20 million metric tons of corn, about 300 million bushels, or I'm sorry, 200 million bushels less than the WASD is, is reporting right now. So at this point in time, it's a difficult, difficult thing to, to, to be too bearish given the, the summer weather we're, we're seeing. But there's signs of demand here that are, that are waning a little bit. So uh, I think it'll be a tough thing for me to turn away from as far as selling six dollar corn again. You can really tell that's a resistance point. And in the old crop, you're really looking at seven. July was seven fifty uh, for all of about five minutes this week. 
Uh, May was about the same before really falling, you know, sub seven by the time it went off the books into first into a first delivery day. So short term, I think the markets will obviously trade weather, which is pretty obvious. Uh, but uh, I think that the the real value will be when the weather comes, how high can we get? Just given some of the rulings we've seen. Given the fact that Daniel's Ag Marketing working closely now with Stonex is getting to see a lot of their data, it looks like Stonex's producer survey down in South America has lowered their crop estimate once again on Safrina corn crop. What are your what are you expecting there as we continue forward? Yeah, the the unit that we work with down there uh, came out that two days ago. You know, eighty seven million metric tons. So they're we're looking at a twenty percent crop reduction, which you know at this point. Uh, I think you think it would be priced in. If you look at Brazilian prices right now, they're trading north of $95 a sack. That is equivalent to the $7 price point for cash. So I think we'll chop around here with weather in mind, but I think down the road the opportunity for higher prices is in just given where the carry is. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. You can always learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. But do remember, trading futures options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on this Friday. You can always check out our midday podcast, not only from today, but all week long. Sponsored by Devenny Motors, wherever podcasts are available or KRVN.